Today we're closing up this series where we've been looking at uh, and unpacking uh, really at the beginning of the fall, but I was, I was praying about the Shore Church and wanting to uh, have our first fall and launch it. I, uh, God really just put on my heart to have a firm foundation. What would it look like to have a, a church that sees itself um, a part of the church for the long haul? So we've been talking about longevity. Uh, we've been talking about needing a vision for your life. Uh, that sees you through to the next 20. It sees your life enduring where Jesus is there, where you're closer to him, you're growing in him. Um, Because here's the reality. We saw the first week, life is going to be hard. There's gonna be hardships. We're gonna have disappointments. And so we need a vision that will see us through, help us stand through for Christ while following Christ in hardship. But also we need need a vision um, that will endure Um, bigger than us, meaning we need a vision of our lives that that is more than just about us and our run, whatever it is, whatever 60 years you might have or 70, 80, whatever God has for you, we need to go, I'm going to live my life bigger than my life. I want to live it for the next generation. I want to take hold of what God has for me uh, in this small speck on the planet so that the impact goes beyond my life. So that's, that's kind of what I'm, we've been talking about for the last uh, two weeks. And today I want to just nail that last point. I, I want us uh, to, to, and I use these words very carefully because I write them word for word. Um, I want us to behold, so that's my hope, is we're all going to behold something, and take hold. So we're going to behold and take hold a vision of your life where you see yourself as being in active ministry in everything you do. So I want you to behold and take hold of a vision for your life that that believes you're in ministry in everything you do, specifically in the joyous task of developing, serving, loving disciples of your own household, the church. That's what I want to preach on. I want, to, I want the short church to have a firm foundation on God's call for us to be the church. Like I want you and I to see the idea of staying for decades, pouring into one another with the word of God and the gifts he's given you for a long time as something that will be slow, but seeing many come to Jesus, seeing our kids mature in Jesus and be sent for Jesus as something God's passionate about for you. That's what I want us to to think about, okay? So uh, John Patton, he was a, a missionary um, he, he took, he was one of the first missionaries to the South Pacific and he took the gospel in the 19th century there. Here's what he writes. He writes back to his, his churches and those around. Here's what he says. Plant down your forces in the heart of one tribe or race where the same language is spoken. Work solidly from the center, building up with patient teaching and lifelong care, a church that will endure. Rest not till every people and language and nation has such a Christ center throbbing in its midst with the pulses of the new life at full play. Rush not from land to land, from people to people in a breathless, fruitless mission. The concentrated common sense that builds for eternity will receive the fullest approval of God in time. 
Okay, so I, if, if you're a little confused already, I'm going to hope to make this clear in the whole sermon, because that's what my whole sermon is going to be about. Um, but let me pray, because I'm going to need help, and we all need ears to hear as well. So let me pray. Uh, Jesus, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for this unique series, and I thank you for the reality here that we are truly those who have place their faith and trust in your incredible life and death and resurrection are adopted and are, are, are one another and will spend eternity with this family that you have, family called the church that you have brought in and you are building up and you, are, you have, when you ascended into heaven, given gifts to each, all of us. And as we, just, as we go into this, I just, I pray that you, like with a big spirit-filled needle, would just sew into our souls the fabric of this passage. And then when you pull the needle out at the very end, it would just, it would close up some wounds. It would restore some love. It would propel us to the things we're gonna talk about. So I pray for that. as a work of your spirit in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Really quick before we get into the text, uh, next Sunday after the gathering, we have an AGM. So if this is your home and you call the church church home, everyone's invited. But if you're a member, just encourage you, we have uh, printed out budgets uh, at the welcome table. We'll also email you this week. If you're a member, you'll get an uh, email that says, hey, well, remember this? And here's the budget you can look at. And then we can answer all the questions and go through an AGM because, uh, you know, we're a legal entity and we're a church. So that's exciting. Um, okay. Here's the big idea of the first part of this sermon. I don't have any points. So you're just gonna follow one big thread. You ready? So here's, here's, um, here's the big, if I had a title, which I will on the website, um, the title of this sermon would be Everyone in Ministry. Okay, that's the title. So you kind of know what the big idea is. But the big idea that I wanna start showing you is that everyone is called to be in ministry. So again, my goal in this sermon, in this series, and I've been praying a lot, is, is that we as a church, however long God has you here, but, but you would take this into any ch- local church you have, but um, we would see ourselves as being an active minister in everything we do, especially and specifically in the joyous task that Jesus called all of those who would follow him of making disciples of developing, serving, loving, deploying disciples of your household, the church. That's what I want us to see. So we're gonna, what we're gonna do is we're gonna camp out in Ephesians chapter four. So if you have a Bible, uh, go ahead and open that to Ephesians four. Uh, that'll be our base camp. And, and, and here's, here's what we're gonna do, okay? I was telling a friend this week, I feel a little uncomfortable in sermons like this because normally, I'm starting next week, we're gonna go through books of the Bible. So we're gonna take First John, we're gonna go verse by verse starting next week. I feel comfortable in that because my job is to just say what the text says. Like that's all I wanna do is get that out. What we're gonna do today is I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna, I'm gonna join Paul in his vision for the early church because here's what he's doing. He just preached or wrote, and, and the pastors of Ephesus would read this letter out loud. Here's what Christ has accomplished for you. Here's all the privileges you have in being in him. Here's all the new duties. Here's all the new inheritance you have. And guess what? Jesus, though God was working through a people, a family called Israel, now through Christ's death on the cross and resurrection, that family has expanded by the spirit so that 
all, the whole world can become the family of God. And so he's just like, we're one. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile. The mystery of God's amazing love for the universe is that, that the church has, is his family. And so he's just preaching these doctrines. And then what he does, and what I want to do, is he takes all of that in Ephesians 4, and then he just like throws a vision of them being active in what he just said Jesus bought for them. So what I want to do is I want to join Paul. I want to pick up all the truths in Ephesians 4, and I want to throw it at the short church. So it's going to be a vision based on the Bible for you that's true. Okay? I say that because we're not going to go, you know, verse by verse. And what does this word mean? And you guys love that. Um, which is good. It's healthy. It's a good diet. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, so everyone in ministry, let's start Ephesians 4, verse 1. I, therefore... A prisoner of the Lord urge you, the you is plural. So he's, uh, you all, speaking to the whole gathered church, I urge all of you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Verse four, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Okay, so... Uh, it was really interesting. When I started immersing myself in uh, books on leadership, what, like as soon as we found out the short church was a go and the, and the Holy Spirit laid that on us and we as elders voted that last fall, um, I was like, I got to figure out how to lead stuff. So I started picking up books on leadership because that's what you do when you freak out and you're like, I don't know how to lead anything. Um, and so, but what amazed me in all these books um, was how again and again, the most successful organizations in the world who were growing healthy leaders, great cultures. It wasn't necessarily the product or the purpose that drove the growth of that culture, but it was a deep sense of belonging. There was a unity when those showed up at work, when they came into something. Now follow me here, that's greater than them. It's greater than them. Whether it was the armed forces, uh, the universities, large corporations, there was a greater glory of oneness that just went beyond them that not only bound them to unity, to an eagerness, but it fueled their togetherness and tenacity to move. They, they were just, it was it. And I thought, oh, like how much more massive it is to be in God's household. And I think this is the energy and emphasis of Paul's heart here. Like we have one Lord, there's one Lord, there's one faith. There's one salvation. That's what he means by baptism. One father who's over all and in all, one body. So you want to be a part of the greatest, most lasting, most powerful team or family? You got it. Like you're in. As a Christian, you are adopted into this one kingdom coming movement of almighty God. 
There's one almighty God who is bringing in throughout the whole world as we breathe right now, a kingdom and you're in it. You're on the team. You're in that family. And one of the most necessary truths you and I need to grasp and grip and, and hold tight to. And so, but hold tight until it gets in you is the truth. You're adopted into a real one body, a spiritual family as a son or daughter by God himself. Like that just has to be more. We keep saying it a lot, but it has to become real now. There, there, there's, it's like, it's not an illustration. You know, it's, 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 an, it's how things are. Romans 8 says this, it'll be on the screen. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons. First John says, behold, we are children of God. There's great intimacy of belonging to God in that passage, but don't miss what I'm trying to say. There's a clear truth that you and I are legal members of and in the family of God, entitling you not only to the inheritance, not only to eternity, but listen to all the duties, privileges, rights, and longevities that come with being a child in God's kingdom. So this is you. The next 20 is you drenched in this calling, walking in a manner worthy, worthy of this calling. Well, what calling? Namely, you and I don't think of the church as a place we go to, but a people we're one with, where, where we're all in with, where we're joined together. We're called to love. We're, we're called to pour in, uh, develop like a father and a mother would a child. So I want you to think about discipleship like parenthood. Okay, think about being in the next 20 as you imagine if you're not a parent, but imagine being a parent, okay? Anyone can get this. Parenthood begins when? Well, when someone, you know, is instrumental in bringing someone else into new birth. That's how parenthood begins. There's a new birth. There's, there's you know, you know what happens. Uh, and, and what we do and our mission is to make Jesus known. And so we, we not to make this an awkward illustration, but we, we point people to Jesus and we share with people the good news of a real event that happened in human history that if that event happened, it changed everything. We point to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God becoming flesh, who loves you, is alive, is in heaven, and that salvation is available for you if you trust him by faith. And then what happens when you share that is you're presenting Christ, and guess what the Spirit does? If lights that up and he comes into that person's soul and he gives them new birth. He gives them new, new life. They have communion with God. They have new spiritual realities. And then parents, okay, we're parents. From there, everything changes, right? Your whole world, if you have a baby, you just have a new compass. You have new hopes and desires for their growth and maturity, Right, a parent thinks, I, I wanna see them get strong. Parents think, like, I wanna see them walk, I wanna see them built up, I wanna see them grow in their character, I wanna see them have great friendships, and on and on, right? A disciple, like a parent, is someone who sets their sights 
on serving others for Christ's sake. Just as Jesus came into the world not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. I mean, their whole orientation, how they spend their money, how they think, all their dreams, everything comes different when that baby is born. So, so what I'm saying is that your new heart and mission orientation when Jesus comes into your life is one of longevity with God and his people. That you're all in with them like a mom and dad would be all in with their family until you die. And then guess what? When you're gonna be with your whole family. The new birth and adoption not only binds us to one another and fuels us, every one of us, to be eager to maintain unity. It's what binds us and propels us to put the community over self. It's what, it's, it's what, it's what binds us to see that every Christian is a family member in ministry who has a call, and the call is to walk in a manner worthy of their calling in one body with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So let me ask you this. Um, Do you have a vision of your life that is bigger than your life, that is about a new devotion to develop yourself more and more for the purpose of spending yourself to develop future generations who will bear fruit and pour themselves out for others in the gospel. It's a big sentence. Do you consider your life as for others in the church and in the world like a parent would their child? Or do you consider your life as only for you? It's a big question. And, um, you know, I, I am really, as I was thinking about this and trying to put this sermon together, I, I just was like, like really thankful because I love this church. You are a great family. And, you know, sometimes I preach things and I'm like, hey, do you know your audience? Because they kind of know this stuff. But, it, you know, there's a lot of things that I know I'm going to work on and we can do better. But I just wanted to say, we do this well. You do this well. You do family life well. Um, but if you're here and you're thinking, James, like, you know, I get it. The church, they were together. They were a family. Uh, you know what? Um, my family's not perfect, but I, I really hunger for these kinds of relationships. But listen, I don't see myself in ministry. Like, you're talking about developing someone or like seeing myself here and, and pouring into another person. Like, I'm just, you know, like I'm a, lay, I'm a lay guy. I'm a contractor. I'm not, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to talk. I don't know what to say. That's your job. Why do you always have to get up there and be like, you're the church and you read the Bible and be a missionary and just, you know, give us some helpful. Okay. Um, I hear you. 
But here's, I can't get away from what this book is telling me to say to you all the time. So Ephesians 4 says this, and I want you to look, here's the answer to that common objection. And trust me, I get it. Look at verse uh, 7, Ephesians 4, verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Okay, so remember, what I'm trying to say to you right now is that every member of God's, if you put your faith in Jesus, you're in a family in ministry. That's what I'm saying. So now Paul's continuing. So he just, he told them this, and now he's continuing to say how you're going to do this. So, so here's what he just says. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Here's two other translations say this. Um, but each one of us has received a gift of grace just as Christ wanted us to have it. The NLT says, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Now there's a word here that rhymes with beach. Can you guys tell me what it is? Each. Yes. Grace was given to each. Uh, Every commentator and Bible scholar agrees there's no... Uh, dispute about this passage that what he's speaking about are spiritual gifts. These are ways, these are spirit-filled, divine, um, effective abilities, helps, healing, graces. And we're gonna study these in the new year, but but if you don't know what I'm talking about, join a community group. You're gonna be reading through a few passages about these gifts, but he says this, that everyone has them. So here's what's mind-blowing for me. God knows your run. Like God knows your 82 years. He knows your 60 years. He knows however long he has you at the shore church or whatever church, maybe God leads you to a different place. And he, and he knew that sovereign year run you'd have. He knew who else would have that sovereign run. He knew who else would be in the shore church. And be, before time began, said, Spirit, that girl at this day is going to need this gift and you better give them this, this, this. And he has ascended on each gifts for the building up of the body so that they would get more mature and encouraged and built up. Like just, oh, what purpose you have. Specifically for those people in your run. And then listen again to what he says in verse 13. Until we attain, so you just, this is it. The unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The goal is they they look more like Christ. They respond more like Christ. They love and know more of Christ. It's not just that they get out of this issue, but in coming out of that circumstance through your gifts, Christ becomes bigger. They become more mature. They, They... Their faith gets strengthened through that thing you just said, and you had no idea what to say, but you said it, or you invited them in, or you gave them a hug, or whatever it was, prayed for their healing, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Anything that takes you away from Jesus being your hope, rather... Speaking the truth in love. That's what every member's ministry is. 
we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined together, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So this is my passion for us in the next 20, that every joint is equipped where, where that's an awesome vision, by the way, where, where all the different parts of the body are fulfilling their proper function until there's unity of faith and more Christ-likeness. And, and notice here the imagery is of every part working well. Every part in love, every part needing humility, every part joined together, each person, every disciple going, I have a part in this until I die, not until I'm retired. I have a whole purpose in my new life for this growth of the body, ultimately pointing to and getting people to Christ. Now, look, I know every part's gonna have different roles. It's gonna be different. And you need to know this. We may each have, we will have different gifts, but we're gonna do this in different ways. And each of us have different personalities. We have different contexts. We have different degrees of effectiveness. But the basic method in the meal is the same. It's every gift are we speaking the truth in love one to another. Do do you have a vision of being a truth speaker, a disciple maker, a trainer, someone who models what it means to grow and follow Jesus? I I want you to have that. Like I wanna be, and I want us to be thinking when we come in on a Sundays, not only am I excited after all the stress of getting here to enjoy worship, to enjoy worshiping and encountering God, but, but I want us to be excited about, I wanna get good at this. Like I wanna get good at loving those in the room. Like I'm not just coming to ask, hey, what can I get out of this? Um, but, but how can I be a family? Now, we can say a lot, right? We've, we've talked about being the church all the time. Um, but how do we do this? And I hesitate saying this because I have a list of needs, you know, areas we'd love to see people serve in. But I want to say it. I want to be the kind of church that begins with what God's doing in your life. Meaning, like, I want to be the kind of church that begins with your passions and the people God has given you, not the programs, like for program's sake. What I mean by that is I want the church's programs, if we have them, to fuel you to come around the gifts and opportunities God has given you and say, how can we train you for this? Not just fill a gap we have. Like my prayer is that we'd be, kind of, we'd be the kind of church elders, leaders, community group leaders, where we empower and embolden and train you for the unique places and passions God's put in you for the long haul. And and yes, I think there'll be seasons where we have to serve God sacrificially. And yes, there'll be times where we couldn't even do this if we didn't have kids, teams, teachers, and all the things we have where you will have to fill in a role. But being the church is not just about being the church on a Sunday. It's, It's, I wanna help you be the church Monday to Saturday. Because it's about people. And, and, and now's our time. 
So um, let me give you a more of a down-to-earth framework. Uh, in, in, in their book, The Trellis and the Vine, Colin Matt Marshall and Tony Payne, uh, they, they paint this picture, and I've tweaked it a little bit. But imagine a reasonable, kind of mature Christian comes in, has been coming for a while, and they either come up to you or they come up to me after the service and they uh, say, you know what, James, like I, you know, I've been coming for a bit and I want to make a contribution in this sense. I just want to, I want to be involved. I'd like to help out, but I just, it feels like there's nothing for me to do or it kind of just feels like I'm on the, I'm not, I'm not on the inside. Like everyone's got their things and studies and I don't get asked to be on any leadership teams or Bible studies. Um, so what can I do? What would go through your mind? What would go through my mind? Well, what would go through my mind if, if it was me is I'd probably think, well, maybe are you in a community group? I would think right away, people, you need to, you know, the best place to grow together and have deep friendships is there. But I'm also, I'm honestly thinking, okay, like, sounds like he wants to serve on a Sunday. I would immediately go to the, the programs. To be honest with you, I would think about, like, what service teams can we put them in? What teams need help? What jobs can I give them? And, and let me, this is not what the next 20 is about. What do you mean? Well, in that mindset, the trap is to think church involvement is all about roles. It's all about ushers and hosts and just community group leaders and, and kids teams and musicians and song leaders and on and on. And if that's the case, the implication for the person asking you or asking me is, is this. Look, if all the jobs are taken, there's really nothing for me to do in this church. So you're just reduced to a passenger. And so the person just thinks, I'll just wait until I'm asked to do something. How many of you have ever just ever thought that or, or you think that? And I'll confess, as a pastor, man, I, I go there. I can easily think, where can I place people? And I, you know, in my heart, I want everyone to belong, but, but that's not longevity. That's not next generation. That's not 20 kingdom perspective. Why? Because the real work is people. Speaking the word of God carefully, prayerfully, building them into Jesus, that's the real work. And if that's the real work of ministry, then the jobs are never taken. The opportunities to love and minister and care for and encourage and build up and teach one another how to be missionaries and make it through what you're going through, that's limitless. And it's not contingent on the pastor or the staff, right? Who's their main job, as we'll see in a second, is to equip. So what if, what if you and I pause for a moment and when that person asked us, hey, how can I get involved? And, and, and what if you replied to your friend or them and you said, um, hey, you see that, see that guy uh, or girl over there? Uh, that's so-and-so's husband or so-and-so's wife. And just, you know, they are so close to giving their life to Jesus. They've been coming. They're so good in their home. They love their family. I mean, it would be awesome if you invited them over for coffee. What if you got for coffee? I know you love Christ and, and you got this gift. Can I introduce you to them? Or hey, uh, you see you see that couple over there? They just got married. 
And I know it's kind of hard. And I know you guys have done 10 years of this thing. So would you consider, I could introduce you to, but could you consider having like them over for dinner maybe like once and just check in with them? Hey, see that girl in the back over there? She uh, has been coming out for three weeks. I think other than me, no one has said hi to her. Would, would you consider going and saying hi? Maybe invite them for lunch or t- Now, I know what we're thinking, and that is, ain't nobody got time for that. Or, I'm not trained. I don't know what to say. Isn't that your job? I don't know what to say. I got to do my thing, get in here, get some feeding, and I'm out. And this, here's what I'm saying. This is the shift that we need to see change. Because first off, you can, you can minister. There's one spirit who's gifted each to be there and listen and ask the Holy Spirit for help. The first thing we need to put away, if we're going to have an, a, a, a 20-year vision of our lives being embedded in the local church and used mightily for God that's going to outpass our life, the first thing we need to put away is the belief that professional ministers do the work because they're the professionals. I mean, that's just not how this book reads. Look at verse 11. It'll be on the screen for you. And he gave the apostles. There are certain roles in the church that comes with certain gifts, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. For what purpose? To equip the saints, the church, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So their job, the professional's job, is to equip you, to come train you. The pastor's role is to teach and train his people by his word and his life to become disciple-making disciples of Jesus. That's his job. But the saints are thinking, I'm in ministry. I'm in ministry. This is what it looks like. I know I got the spirit in these gifts, and I need some training. And let me say a few words on this because it's a good time. I, I want to do this better. One of the things I felt like God put heavy on my heart uh, is I want to spend the next, and I've told this to our staff team and maybe our community leaders, I want to spend the next two years learning and getting good at building leaders. Like I want to, get, I want to be a church that's known for being good at developing you. I don't know how to do that, but one of the things just I'm really excited about, uh, we have John LaLon and Jesse St. Mars. They're in a whole year of elder training with Dale and I, and so we, we meet once a month with them. There's a group that I'm looking at to pull together a whole deacon ministry and proposing that to the elders on next Tuesday. And so there, we, there's just things that I feel like God's leading us in, but all I'm trying to say right now is I want to partner with you as you do ministry. That's what I'm saying, because because. If a church thinks the pastor's role is a service provider or he's the counselor, listen to this. Not only will you, the body, be limited to the gifts and capacity of the pastor, which isn't a lot, okay? I'm serious. Like, I have really close friends that we have been friends with for years. I, I sometimes think they're like, it's just weird that he's our pastor. Like, they must just think I'm the 
but that's fine. But here, you know what's worse than that? Here's what's worse than that. You'll only stay a consumer and you'll never grow beyond him or in those gifts, meaning your, your gifts and opportunities and capacity, they're probably greater than his in where God's called you. So the pastor is not supposed to be God's man, but a trainer for you to go be God's ambassador. Right? I, and I need your help in this because here's what happens in a consumer church where the pastor is you know, seen as the spiritual provider. Um, take for example, counseling or any kind of involvement. What will happen is if you put him too high up, uh, not only will he let you down, um, and I have let people down and I've made mistakes. We're not a perfect church. But my, my, what I'm trying to say is we can't keep looking to the leader only to make it better. We make it better. We're the church. We're the ones called to love and pursue each other. So if you don't notice someone has been here in a long time and, and it, it's you, it's all of us who reach out. And if they say, well, the pastor didn't call me, but you did. All you got to say is, you know what? He is one member. We're not here to be served by him. We're here to love and serve each other. Okay, back to my point. So we're not waiting for the professional. This is what I'm, I'm trying to help us see. We're the ministers. So how do we do this? How do we minister? The answer is a long-term staying and growing in a local church and being a faithful person. But let me give you a, an, another answer. How do we do this? How do we minister in the joyous task of developing and loving and serving and making disciples? My answer begins with, you ask the Holy Spirit. I know that sounds simplistic, but you ask the Holy Spirit. Because short church, he's real. Like he's bringing his kingdom. He has sealed you and he's given you gifts. He's given you opportunities. He's given you situations and circumstances and certain passions and burdens and drives and abilities. He, he's allowed you to go through certain hardships and disappointment that he will use what saturated and filled the life of Jesus was that when he came out of that desert, he was full and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. How did Jesus live his life? By the power of the Holy Spirit. In every letter, it's led by the Spirit. Are you guided by the Spirit? In Acts, they're praying for where they should go and the Spirit led him. The Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity who lives inside you. So my answer to us and this idea of you being in ministry is begin where you are. And, and don't miss this. When it comes to being a church, your ministry is the people in the room. Like, when, when the pastor in Ephesus was reading this letter, they weren't thinking of other people's faces. 
They weren't like, oh, because they don't have Facebook. They don't, they don't, well, I don't know. I went to that village, I, he kind of looks normal, but they only have each other. So when they're reading this letter and, and he's saying they're called to humbly love one another, they're, they're the ones next to you. Okay, turn to the person next to you, not your spouse, and say, you're my ministry. Okay, do it. You're my ministry. You're all laughing like, ha we'll see what happens. All right. Um, but, but this is how they thought. This is what, this is what will happen. This is how you stay. Is, is we just get past this consumer professionalism thing. I met with a wonderful girl, Anne-Marie, about the church, and she's been checking it out and wanted to know a few things, what we believed. But I told her, use your gifts here. And I want to say this to everyone here. If this feels like your people, let the Holy Spirit light up what he's gifted you. One of the reasons we've added that like end part where we're all going to kind of be like, oh, hi, you know, I'm, is, you know, I love awkwardness. So I, partly because I like it. I like to look at you. Um, but, but honestly, it's so that you will see the faces of those whom the Holy Spirit has called you and given you gifts to minister to. You need to see their faces. And I'm praying the Holy Spirit would just stir something up. Like you know the hurt. Some of you know each other in this room. And I want to say you have permission to love people. You have permission to invite people into your life and into your homes and out for lunch and and to, to, you know, you have an entire office and ministry space on First and Lonsdale. It's your church. And praise God, things are exciting. We have a women's Bible study there. Monday night, Alpha's kicking up on Tuesday. By the way, one thing I'm gonna do, just encourage you to do, is grab the link from our website to Alpha. And if you have a few friends that maybe you've kind of shared your faith with here and there, text them that link by faith. Find two or three people and go, hey, you know, our church is, is exploring faith, meals. If you'd love, I'd love to come with you. Alpha, it starts October 10th. Um, but that's Tuesday nights. And then Thursday night, they had like 30-some kids. Jordan Chong kicked off uh, the Shore Youth Woo! on Thursday night. It was exciting. He's teaching through the Word of God, through them, and just Friday nights are worship nights. So, but all the mornings and Saturday and Wednesday is free. But you have these things. Um, okay, so if you're still thinking, okay, you know, we did the whole thing, and you did, we all met each other, and... But James, I'm not equipped. I don't like this sermon. Um, I, it was, I was listening to a series of lectures this week uh, by a PhD uh, in psychotherapy. He's a counselor, teacher, psychologist, guy named Larry Crabb. And he was saying, and I've listened to everything he's done, but he was saying um, what, what they did is they studied, they did a research about um, the biggest impact that psychotherapists and therapists um, and psychologists have made in patients' lives. They wanted to find out what was the most amazing impact that your therapist made that changed you. Like, what was the, what was the changing factor? And so they did this big research, and what was shocking to uh, him and, and a lot of the therapists and uh, psychotherapists, they, they said it wasn't the moment. Maybe they traced back to when they, maybe their mom, uh, you know, took the gift that they made at Christmas and smashed it and it wasn't the moment that something broke in the child that they got to see light around, though that was helpful. The, you know what the greatest impact was that made a huge difference in changing people's life? 
relationship. That there was someone there who listened that I could see every week. The biggest impact was, there was one story of, of one psychiatrist who pulled over and saw one of his patients just reading with another person. He pulls over and just sat with them and said, how you doing? This looks like you guys are having a lot of fun here. Are you doing okay? And the guy's like, well, you know, I'm kind of, he's like, no, no, just how you doing? Good. And he's like, you, you know what? You're going to make it through. And he tapped his shoulder and left. That changed his whole life. Just you're going to make it through. Yes, there's a place for professionals, but what's most powerful is what God has gifted you and given you. So here's what I'm trying to say to you. This is different than the world's community and, and what you can have in deep friendship. What you need to hear me say is in the church, you have, in, in Christian community, you have something in you other than you that literally has an appetite for God that has been renewed and is divine and is now alive. You now have urges in you that reflect the Trinity. What will keep us from being a church that does community with spiritual power is a belief and lie. Well, I don't know what to say. Instead of thinking, I can't help or be in ministry because I'm, you know, I'm not set up with certain skills. Trust your devotional life. Take them to your communion with Christ and your big God theology and just be there. This is what the church is to be, a community that belongs to one another. Decide like, I need to be equipped. Equipped for what? Whatever the Holy Spirit will, will do and decide. And honestly, when I'm in conversation, so I'll give you an example. So last Sunday after the gathering, uh, another wonderful gal who's been coming to the church recently came up to me and just shared like, here's a huge, I can't get too detailed, but here's a, here's a huge issue I'm facing and I don't know what to do and it involves this relationship and, I, and it's really bad and it's not, I don't know, I'm just, I'm lost and what do I do? What do so I don't know the whole situation, but I knew instantly because I'm asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to say. And I just knew what she needed to do was tell God that. So I just said to her, you know, here's what you need to do. You need to go tell him that. You tell him, I don't know what to do. Just tell him and then tell him why you don't know what to do. And guess what? He will help you. He'll speak. He'll minister to you. And at first she was like, and then she lit up and just was like, I have him. He's my mighty counselor. And yes, we come in. Yes, there's times where you sit down and we have coffee and we, there is good wisdom, biblical wisdom. But all I'm saying is you have the Holy Spirit in you 
And if we're too afraid because we have this, well, I'm not the professional mindset, we won't allow that thing, whatever is stirring and is coming alive in you. Maybe you have a sentence or you have something you wanna say to them or maybe you, whatever it is, or you have these, you have gifts where you see things for people and you wanna share that with them, but you're like, well, I don't know if this, or prayer, okay, prayer is not a cop. Oh, I'll pray for you. Okay, thank you, that doesn't mean anything. No, it means everything. You take them to the throne of grace, God will be there. I mean, we're a spiritual community. Okay, now I'm just ranting way past my time. Um, let me say a few things, last things. Uh, you need to decide, um, I, I want to be equipped. I, let me say it this way. One of our core values is we open our Bibles. That is, in everything we do, we want to be a word-centered because it's God's word that brings God's truth and changes God's people and changes anything and everything. It's a him. So devote yourselves to being a church that opens their Bibles. Um, I want to be the kinds of people who are so rooted and deep in Bible. I want, I want you to imagine yourself in 10 years from now knowing more of the Bible than you ever have, being able to memorize more of the Bible. And listen, that's why I'm saying 10. It takes time. It's overnight. But that's the vision that you're a person who bleeds out Bible. I was really encouraged. Uh, Nikki's brother, Matt, he's out in Ontario. He, um, like... He's, he's kind of like this funny, quirky, inward guy, and you don't really know how spiritual he is, but he just wrote a letter to his pastor uh, and basically said to the pastor, hey, just drenched in the Bible. He was just like, this is First Timothy, and this is, I don't think the church is preaching the theology this way or opening the Bible. My concern is that, that we're getting away from Christ and the cross and sin, and he just really well written. But what hit me was how proud I was of him. And here's what hit me. He grew up in a church called Sovereign Grace. They didn't, they didn't get bigger than 100 people. But that pastor was the most faithful, boring Bible teacher anyone have ever had. And then in chapter nine, like, but here's what happened. He learned the Bible. And what blew my mind, and it hit me when I just read his letter, was like, that pastor's faithfulness is bearing fruit we want to be the kind of church that our kids are writing letters to their pastors because their conviction is that the Bible is not being taught. That's what you want to have. You want to have a longevity for your soul that just is, I want to be about him. So resolve to read your Bible every day is more important than when you eat. Okay, if you have time to eat breakfast, you have time to read your Bible. Choose your Bible. I want us to be a passionate about making disciples. You don't, I don't want us to get excited about our ministry in terms of our own growth and numbers and opportunities, but about planting other churches and sending out missionaries and seeing our kids deeply loving the word of God. I just, I want to challenge you, as I said earlier, I want us to be a church that empowers you to go and use your gifts and train you, but you will need to ask the Holy Spirit and trust him so you're going to meet a, a great guy named Lloyd and his wife, Jess. Maybe you already met them. Uh, they came, been, started coming to the Shore Church over the summer. I met with him, and, and uh, he was like, James, I feel so passionate about reaching the, the people on the North Shore Mountains. Like I, just have this, I was working for a Snowboarders for Christ, and I love the North Shore Mountains. And I was like, we love people on the North Shore Mountains. What if you did this with a local church? 
Like, what if, what if you said, let's do an internship where you came here, you got some training and teaching with Westside as we've been partnering, and you showed up every Sunday, b- built a crew and equipped them to go to the North Shore Mountains to just ride together and share Christ. So that's what we're doing. We're starting a, something like that. We met last Wednesday, but that's what I'm talking about. I want to equip you and train you for the things God's put on your heart to do. Okay. So last thing, last thing I'll say. One question you're gonna ask in your community group is this. What is he stirring inside you? Where do you want to grow and develop? Where do you need help so that you can be deployed to be the church and make an impact for the kingdom of God? Where do you see yourself in ministry? It all begins there. Short church, plant down your forces in the heart of one tribe or race where the same language is spoken, work solidly from the center, building up with patient teaching and lifelong care, a church that will endure. Rest not till every people and language and nation has such a Christ center throbbing in its midst with the pulses of the new life at full play. Rush not from land to land, from people to people, in a breathless, fruitless mission, the concentrated common sense that builds for eternity will receive the fullest approval of God in time. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for moments in a church that we can pull into your word and find a vision for us that is true. And we don't know what it looks like here. So I ask you to lead it. I ask you to open doors this week. You are a living, thriving wind. And we don't know where you're gonna blow, but you've called us into your family to love each other, to make disciples of one another, to make you known. And we want to walk in a manner worthy of that calling We do not want to despise the gifts, Holy Spirit, you've given each. And so I pray in a powerful way, you, Holy Spirit, would stir up us to love and good works. Plant us. This will not happen apart from you. In Jesus' name, amen.